Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by two of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Voison and Linda Venny. Each of them paralegals for over 20 years and both dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice. Thanks for joining us for our monthly podcast here on Legal Talk Network. I'm Vicki Voison, a now advanced certified paralegal. I'm calling in from Charlevoix, Michigan. I call myself the Paralegal Mentor, and I publish a weekly newsletter titled Paralegal Strategies that actually is sent um, over the internet. More information is available at paralegalmentor.com, and also available at paralegalmentor.com are my 151 strategies for your career success. This is a free resource for Paralegal Strategies readers. Vicki, I always look forward to receiving your newsletter. For those of you listening who don't already know, I'm Lynn DeVenny, a North Carolina State Bar Certified Paralegal employed by a small civil rights law firm. Elliot Pishko Morgan in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. My boss and I co-authored a textbook for paralegals, a workers' compensation practice for paralegals, and I also blog for the paralegal profession at practicalparalegalism.com. We'd like to take this time to thank our sponsor, NALA, a professional association for paralegals, providing continuing education and professional certification programs for paralegals at NALA.org. The goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics important to the paralegal industry and share with you leading trends, significant developments, and resources that you'll find helpful in your careers and your everyday jobs. Lynn and I receive countless inquiries about how to become a paralegal. We hear from people, um, you know, more than once a week, actually. And we hear from new paralegals who are trying to get that first entry-level job in this tough economy. So we decided to do this podcast to address the most frequently asked questions from people who are interested in becoming paralegals. We also wanted to address the realities of preparing for and finding that first job. But first, Vicki and I are going to talk a little bit about how we became paralegals. Vicki, how did you start your paralegal career? Well, Lynn, my story is one that you hear frequently. I was more or less an accidental tourist on my path to my paralegal career. Now, when I graduated from high school, I felt I had three career choices. I could be a teacher, a nurse, or a secretary. Fortunately, I knew I didn't want to be a nurse. Um, I, I knew I didn't want to be a teacher, although I kind of grew into that role with my paralegal mentor um, business. Um, But even though I graduated really near the top of my class, I headed off to business school, and my big goal was to become an executive secretary. But while I was in school, I started working part-time for three wonderful attorneys who had a very busy practice. And then, you know, after I graduated, I continued to work with them as a legal secretary. And I think that's one of the things we're going to bring up uh, later in the podcast is how that um, part-time job may work into a full-time job, and at least it gives you a lot of experience. But um, I worked for attorneys uh, for several years, and then there was one who happens to now be our circuit judge, but I was working in his office at the time uh, when he was still a practicing attorney, and he asked me if he could train me to be a paralegal. 
and there were very few paralegal programs at the time. Um, and so it wasn't really uncommon to be in-house trained, although this really isn't uh, a current option for someone who's pursuing a paralegal career. And even though I have no formal paralegal training, I feel that I, I really learned from the best. I also eventually earned my bachelor's degree in business management, and that is from Central Michigan University. And I also earned my certified paralegal and advanced certified paralegal credentials from NALA. So that's my story, Lynn. And um, were you an accidental tourist? Yeah, I was going to say I was an accidental legal secretary, actually. Um, I found myself at a place in my life where I had finished almost three years of college. I was newly separated. I had a toddler to support. And of course, I do what many people in that position do, and I ran home to my mother. Um, my mother happened to own an employment agency in town, and uh, because I had not finished my bachelor's degree, but I could type like the wind, uh, and I very much needed health insurance, she suggested that I look at secretarial positions. Um, and then she suggested that I look at legal secretarial positions because they paid more than plain old uh, secretarial jobs. So my mom sent me on five job interviews. And keep in mind, at this point in my life, I didn't know what a mortgage was. I did not know what a paralegal was. I had never set foot inside of a law firm. Um, I made an extremely informed decision about my first job. Um, maybe not so much. I actually just picked the, uh, I took the offer that offered me the most money per year. And when I think about how much that is now, it's pretty much laughable. Um, but I started work uh, in about six months. Um, they were we're making good use of my writing skills. I was drafting documents. It was a general practice firm. We did everything from federal criminal cases to bankruptcy to thousands of closings during some of the uh, real estate booms. I decided pretty quickly that I wanted to move up in the legal world, that I liked the work. So I went to the uh, local community college and uh, went to school part-time while I was working full-time as a legal secretary, then got my first paralegal job, still working full-time while finishing up my paralegal degree, and ultimately while finishing up my uh, bachelor's degree. And that's how I kind of stumbled into um, becoming a paralegal when I didn't know what, what, what a paralegal was to start with. Well, when I first started as a legal secretary, Lynn, there were no paralegals. So that's how far back I go. Uh, it is a, you know, yeah, it is a, you know, a relatively new um, profession when you think of uh, in other terms. I mean, it was the 70s when paralegals started, um, and they, they mostly started from the legal secretarial pool, and they were the people with more advanced skills, perhaps not um, the formal education. But anyhow, I know that you're going to agree with me that some personality types are very good fits for the paralegal profession. And yep. also that, the, yeah, and there's some skills that working as a paralegal, um, you know, there are skills that are required. Um, for instance, it's important to be organized, um, to be able to prioritize your work. And it's also important to have good writing skills and also good people skills because, um, you know, we, we're working with some people who are under a lot of stress. They're going through some really tough times and we have to do our best to help them through that. And frequently, it's the paralegal who spends the most time with them. And also, there's one more thing, and that's, um, I think it's essential to be a self-starter. We can't sit around waiting for work to be given to us. 
um, we are supposed to look at what has to be done and take care of as much as possible. And there's one more thing. Paralegals should always be open to learning, and I, I know you agree with that one. We have to learn new things because the law and the procedures are constantly uh, constantly changing. And I'm sure you can add something to that, Lynn. Well, I think you covered a pretty extensive list, but I do want to emphasize the importance of good writing. Um, sometimes people ask me, you know, why is it so important as a legal staffer? But if you're going to write for people that have, you know, graduate degrees, JDs, uh, you've got to be a good writer yourself. If you're going to write for the courts, uh, you don't want to be part of any of those briefs that make it to some of the uh, very large legal blogs where they're making fun of, of you and your firm's grammar. I think, too, uh, you can't underestimate the um, I think it requires somebody who can think outside of the box. Um, in most practices, you may be working in more than one specialty area. Uh, sometimes you find yourself having to learn something new very quickly, or you may be given a project without, you know, actual one, two, three steps to complete that project. And you've got to be somebody who likes to problem solve. And I think, too, uh, grace under pressure is a, a really good quality for uh, someone who wants to go to work for lawyers where there's always deadlines, there's always an emergency, there's always something going on. So I think, um, you know, having the ability to multitask and, um, you know, and get things done. And as you said earlier, prioritize. And also, you know, and I talk a lot about this um, when I lecture uh, for CLEs, but the ability to learn quickly, especially with technology changing, uh, to be open-minded, um, curious, willing to explore new programs, um, willing to do a little uh, work maybe outside your actual paid time to to learn new things in regard to computers and software, especially these days. And you know, Lynn, I just thought of something with regard to these writing skills. Sometimes you work for someone who doesn't have such great writing skills, and then you're there to make them look good and to pull it all together. And a, a person with good writing skills can, uh, has that ability. So I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. Okay, I wouldn't trade my, uh, my career as a paralegal for any other. I'm very happy with it. It's been very good to me. But we do need to be a little realistic here and discuss the pros and the cons of working as a paralegal. And as for the pros, I would say that the work is really terribly interesting. It's challenging. It's always changing. And I love the variety and the people. And I find the law to be really um, fascinating. And I, there are really, in my mind, very few cons. But one that comes to mind is no matter how organized the paralegal is, you are subject to the attorney's whims, and some of them may not be so well organized. So you have to learn to deal with, uh, you know, different styles of people, and you need to work with them to meet those crucial deadlines. And, you know, as you said, it can be stressful, but it really is, you know, a, a fact of a paralegal's uh, life, and that grace under pressure is, is truly very important. I agree with you. I think what I've, I've always enjoyed most about my job is taking lots of different kind of information 
organizing it and telling a story. I mean, I think that's always been one of my strengths as a legal professional is to organize facts, is to summarize them, to write about them in a narrative fashion that could be used for briefs or motions or, or other pleadings in the court. So for me, that just the pleasure of using my brain, uh, of working with people who are very intelligent. Um, you know, I've, in my career, I've been fortunate to work with some very smart and innovative people who've done some very creative things. So uh, a lot of times working as a paralegal in a specialty area that you enjoy, uh, you know, really is a pleasure to come to work. But I think, uh, Vicki, you touched on it for a minute. I think, you know, the biggest con and anybody thinking about going into a paralegal career has to consider that usually you're working in a fairly high-pressure environment. It's usually kind of a go, 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 go. Um, you know, you, it's not one of those things where you meet your deadline and you sit back and kick up your feet for three weeks until the next deadline comes around. Um, you know, in a busy law firm, a successful law firm, uh, generally, you know, the work is going to be constant. Uh, some deadlines will crop up sometimes due to someone else's lack of organization, but you will be the one that will have to deal with it. Um, and also what happens when you work with highly intelligent, creative types, and we do love our attorneys, but um, you, will, you, you meet some strong personalities. And uh, not only do you have to have people skills to work with your clients, but uh, sometimes a high degree of people skills is needed are needed to work with um, different personality types for lawyers. For listeners who are seriously considering a paralegal job or going into the paralegal profession, doing your homework regarding the job market in your own area is just as important as doing your homework regarding the program if you're, if you're going to obtain a formal paralegal education, which um, many employers desire these days. Um, I'm always surprised when I get emails from people who live in other parts of the country asking me what the demand is for paralegals, say, in Boise or Detroit or San Francisco. Um, you know, one of the traits of a good paralegal and one who is likely to be successful is good research skills, informal research skills, just being able to, to use the internet to find the information that you need. Um, and I always, you know, when people ask me that, I always go back to them and say, you need to check the uh, job listings for legal staffers in your area, uh, because that's going to be the best indicator of the job market right now and the positions that are available. And in most areas of the country, um, there are not as many legal staffer positions available now as, say, there were when I started working in the mid-80s. Um, there's some areas are experiencing growth and others are not, especially in rural areas uh, of the country where the economy is more depressed and hasn't bounced back as quickly. Um, you know, you may see very few legal support staff openings. And you're going to want to take that into consideration before you commit to a program and commit, you know, several years of your life and a lot of tuition to a paralegal program. That reminds me, Lynn, that uh, our sponsor, NALA, has a, a does a salary survey every other year. And that's available at NALA.org. And it's free, and it will give a lot of information about jobs that are available in different areas of the country, as well as the um, salary expectations in those areas. So that's a good resource um, for our listeners. And as I said, it's it's free and available at NALA.org. And also, you do need to remember that you may have to move to have a good paralegal job. Salaries vary. Uh, they're 
make a lot more money in a larger city than you would in a small town. But there are other benefits for living in a small town. So that's all that's all there. Uh, but there's another issue that our listeners need to be aware of, and that's the difference between being certificated and being certified. And it's one that, you know, kind of, uh, it's one I'm really interested in. I, th- I think everybody needs to understand the difference. Now, attorneys um, have to be licensed to practice law, and no state requires that paralegals be licensed. And the thinking behind that is that paralegals, by definition, work under the supervision of an attorney, and they don't provide their services directly to the public. So there is no need for the licensing issue. Now, one step a paralegal can take to enhance um, his or her credibility and also demonstrate advanced skills is to sit for a certification exam. Uh, NALA, NALS, and the NFPA all offer certification opportunities for qualified paralegals. You do have to meet their qualifications. And the exams are not easy either. I mean, you just don't go off and, and take one. Now, so when you pass that exam, you are certified. You're a certified paralegal. When a paralegal student completes his or her education, they receive a certificate. It doesn't result in their being certified. That only occurs when you uh, successfully complete a certification examination that's offered by a qualified entity. So what you have or what you are at that point is certificated. And you want to be very careful when you're job hunting or preparing your resume so that you don't say in your resume that you're a certified paralegal unless you've really taken and passed that certification exam. You should use the word certificated if you've just finished school and you just have your paralegal certificate. So I hope that's clear, Lynn. Uh, you know, you did clear things up, and I'd like to add, too, that um, your LinkedIn profile is just as important uh, not to identify yourself as a certified paralegal if you haven't achieved one of the voluntary state or national certifications that Vicki just discussed. Another question that I get a lot is, do I have to have a degree from an ABA-approved program. And I just want to say a brief caveat here. There are people out there who sometimes land that first legal support staff job without a formal paralegal education. And I'm talking about, you know, now, not not a decade ago or two decades ago. Um, There are people that still manage to find their way into a law firm, uh, either with just a bachelor's degree or maybe just with a little bit of college. Um, You know, they've applied and they've gotten hired. But most employers today are looking for, especially when they're hiring paralegals is an associate degree in paralegal or legal studies, uh, if not a bachelor's degree as well. You know, and I always strongly recommend that that anyone considering a paralegal career look at the reputable, preferably ABA-approved programs first. And if you don't know what programs are approved, um, the American Bar Association has a directory at its site, and we'll include the link in the show notes for this podcast. But I also get a lot of inquiries about online programs. And and I understand why people do look at online programs. Uh, A lot of people want to continue to work full-time while working on their paralegal degree. Um, A lot of people don't have uh, programs 
uh, within driving distance of their home, or at least not within considerable driving distance of their home. Um, You know, they want to do something uh, that offers them flexible scheduling. They want to work at home at their own pace. Um, You know, and they want to they want to use the computer to to get their degree. and people are always asking me um, if I'll recommend an online program. And I always tell them that I, I can't recommend an online program. I'm not familiar with them. I didn't graduate from one. Um, to be honest, in my local network, I don't know anyone that has an online paralegal degree. But I have seen online in the listservs, in the LinkedIn groups, uh, people that do say they have gotten an online paralegal degree and they are we're hired and they are enjoying a successful degree. So I think you have to do your homework when you're looking at these programs. But also, if you're planning to work in a specific area, part of doing your homework is getting to know area legal professionals, whether you join a local legal association or you go to CLEs or you meet people through um you know, various, you know, being out and about in the community. Um, you want to find out from them and area want ads. I always tell people, if you're thinking about a paralegal career or if you're in school getting a paralegal degree, you need to keep your thumb on the job market where you want to work. That means checking the area want ads weekly, at least. Uh, you know, get it, you're going to get a good idea of kind of the ebb and flow of jobs uh, in your area. But you know, you want to talk to people locally about what they're looking for. You want to be careful to stay away from programs that um, that employers might not view as favorably. I mean, maybe there's two excellent local paralegal programs and maybe area employers prefer to hire from those. Uh, but you need to have that kind of information before you commit. You sign the paper, you borrow a lot of money, and you get started on a degree. You need to do your homework first. Absolutely. And, and Lynn, I, I might point out that uh, there is not, there are no online programs that are ABA approved. And the um, American Bar Association approval uh, isn't mandatory, but it, right. it does say that they've got a, a program that meets the, the standards of the American Bar Association. So, and some employers ask for that. So be sure that you understand. I know I, I spoke to a, a paralegal group last year and they weren't even aware of ABA approval, that that, you know, was even a possible, and their program wasn't, of course. So they need to, as you said, do their homework. It's, uh, there's a lot of, lot of important things there. Now, um, I, I want to speak just a little bit more about voluntary certification. And, um, that again is something that comes, or, you get from one of the national paralegal associations, such as NALA or NIFPA or um, NALS. And it's an excellent way to demonstrate your competencies uh, to prospective employers. And professional certification, uh, you know, I just want to talk about the benefits here for just a minute. It's a time-honored career development tool that, you know, it's been around for a long time. Many professions have their own certifications. And it's helpful to employers and people seeking um, to enhance their career options because of the reliance on on certification programs for career decisions. It's really um, uh, important that a program is professionally managed and administered. Again, do your homework, 
be sure that it is professionally managed and administered. There's a lot of work that goes into a really good certification program. And also, experience plays a really heavy role in hiring decisions in the paralegal field. You know, you can't substitute for experience, but paralegal certification can give you an edge over other applicants for employment. Uh, You may come in as, um, you know, you may have competition for a job. You may both be on a level playing field. You know, you may both have your paralegal uh, degree. You may have both have the same amount of experience, but one of you has your professional certification, and that sets you apart as having advanced skills. So there's also state-specific certification, and I think, Lynn, you're going to tell us just a little bit about that. I'm just going to briefly um, urge those of you who live in states Um, that offer voluntary paralegal certification, like North Carolina, where I live. Uh, Florida is another state that comes to mind. Uh, Preparing to sit for that exam is going to be very important, Uh, you know, preparing for it during your paralegal education. And many programs do prepare their students to take their state voluntary uh, paralegal certification. Particularly because in the program in the states that do offer those programs, uh, such as North Carolina, um, you know many North Carolina employers specify in their want ads that they want North Carolina State Bar certified paralegals, and you know you need that qualification to be even considered for the job. So um, make sure that you are aware whether your state offers that option or not, and that you're thinking about how you're going to prepare for that if you do enroll in a paralegal program. It's time to take a quick break now. When we return, we're going to talk more about how to become a paralegal. NALA means professional. NALA offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. And NALA's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. NALA works actively with others in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why NALA means professional at www.nala.org. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Vicki Voison, and today my co-host, Len Deveni, and I are discussing how to become a paralegal, and also how to advance your paralegal career. Now, Lynn, before the break, we were discussing the benefits of state-specific certification, and I want to add that my recommendation is that double is always better. Um, This is particularly important uh, if you're going to move from one state to the other. So get your state certification and also go for that national certification because it is very portable. I agree. Yeah. Once you commit to a paralegal program, um, there are other steps that you can take to prepare for your paralegal career. An essential component to that is networking, both face-to-face and through social media. So paralegal students can usually join a student association. They can usually have a student membership in a local association. So they should join these paralegal associations, and because they provide often additional learning, they provide uh, scholarship programs, but they also provide networking. And 
that's really the major benefit because many jobs, and I think you'll agree, Lynn, they're word of mouth. So you might have met someone who's thinking of you if there's an opening at their office, either for an internship or or for a full-time job. So be sure to do that. And also network with your instructors because they're usually lawyers or they work in a law office and you want to be, you want to come to mind when they are looking for, you know, for a new employee. Uh, I'm going to let you talk about social media in a minute because we're also covering that in another um, in another area in this podcast, Lynn. And you're kind of the the expert, although I'm out there on social media too. But I do want to um, I, I really want to stress that everyone should have a profile on LinkedIn. Uh, that's a professional site. It minim, uh, mimics a resume. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com. And it's often used by um, employers who are searching for employees. And it's it's really an excellent way to be in touch with trends in the industry as well as uh, job openings. Uh, if you use social media correctly, and, and that means you... Um, Never post anything that you wouldn't want your potential employer to see. And that also includes pictures because pictures of you dancing on the table at Senior Frogs is definitely a no-no. But if you use it correctly, social media can really be a powerful job hunting tool. Vicki, we have so much to say, and I know we're running out of time, so I'm going to touch briefly on a couple of other things that I think are really important for paralegal students to do, uh, and I think it's important for paralegal students to do it pretty much from their initial enrollment in a program. I, I think it's so important that I leaped at the opportunity to write an article for the American Association of Paralegal Educators uh, magazine last year about the five steps that paralegal students should take uh, on the first day of class, not literally the first day of class, but anyway, pretty soon after starting the program. And I really think it's important, if if at all possible, to try to get an entry-level, full or part-time job in a legal setting. And I understand that is not possible for everybody. And I understand that there'll be a lot of students in that class, all of them kind of looking for the same thing, and not everybody will find it. But it is a goal. It is something to keep your eye out for. Even opportunities to do contract work, temporary work, come in on the weekend and help get ready for a trial. Just anything that you can do to get some paralegal experience on your resume, to make some contacts. Um, Even if you can't find a job in a law office, um, you know, trying to locate employment in an office environment that's going to give you the transferable, particularly uh, the computer and administrative skills that many law firms desire, um, that's going to be very important. Also, um, use the period that you're working on acquiring your paralegal degree uh, to brush up on your computer skills. Uh, if your program is not doesn't place a lot of emphasis on current software, um, you need to do some some training on your own. And 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 I'm still doing training on my own in my full time job. But a lot of times it involves uh, finding tutorials online, using the help uh, and tutorial programs that come with the software, taking advantage of free demos. I mean, there are a lot of ways to make sure that you're not falling behind in the area of your computer skills. And Vicky, I think you're going to uh, quickly discuss some soft skills that they might want to be working on. Um, while they're still in school. Right. That that really is important, Len. You know, how you conduct yourself both in school and at association meetings and on the job, that's going to have a huge impact on your paralegal career. You know, it's important to use correct English that 
doesn't include four-letter words. Also, good manners. And I, I know that may sound old-fashioned, but they never go out of style. Um, some things such as a, a firm handshake, uh, that comes with experience and exposure as you, uh, you know, so that that's always helpful when you're out there to be practicing those skills. And again, these soft skills are an important um, ways to um when you're developing these soft skills, it's very important that you work on having a lot of confidence. Uh, you need to be sure that you are just exuding confidence. It really goes a long way. You know, there are other things that are important, such as dressing professionally, you know, getting a good haircut, shining your shoes. It's all in, it, it's all really essential. I agree, Vicki. And, you know, I would encourage, especially those of you uh, who are shy, and I am extraordinarily shy and nobody believes it, but use your networking opportunities to stick out your hands, shake hands, introduce yourself, sit with people that you don't know, strike up a conversation. And uh, because getting over, you know, at least functioning in public and getting over, you know, essential shyness is going to be really key to interviewing and, you know, moving forward in your professional career. I totally agree with you. And it's it's just kind of interesting. People often are afraid to introduce themselves. They're just waiting for you to do it. And so just walk up to them and say, hi, my name is and I work here or there. And that really gets your foot in the door. And then they're delighted that you've taken that step. And they're delighted to talk about themselves. If you're a student, you're sitting at a table and you just, uh, you'll be amazing how fast lunch goes by if you just ask people where they work and what they do for a living and what they like about it. Right, right. Lynn, we were going to talk a little bit about resumes today, but we're really, we're running out of time. But I want to tell everyone that I teamed up with Dr. Charles C. Diaz, who is a formal paralegal and, and now teaches technical writing at the University of Maine. And we presented a blueprint for your job search in today's digital world. And that course is available as an instant download at uh, paralegalmentor.com. And I think, Lynn, that uh, brings us to you telling them how they can get in touch with us about questions. I hope um, listeners thinking about a paralegal career enjoyed today's show. Um, I think it's important to never stop learning. Do your homework before you commit to anything uh, and shake hands when... Uh, and introduce yourself and get out there in public settings, even if it's a little uncomfortable. Uh, if you guys have any questions about today's show, you can email them to us at theparalegalvoice at gmail.com. And we're going to take another short break. When we come back, we'll have paralegal news and announcements for you. Want to stay in touch with the Legal Talk Network and get our shows automatically? RSS provides home delivery. You don't have to remember where to click. The good stuff comes right to you automatically and free. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and hit the RSS button at the top of the page. It says our podcast feeds. Now you'll be all set. Need to reach lawyers on the go? Try marketing with new media here on Legal Talk Network. We can start the conversation for you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and shoot us an email or call us at 781-551-9960. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. And this is the time of the podcast that actually is kind of our favorite time. And Lynn and I share news announcements, practice tips, and social media tips. I have a very brief practice tip because really the whole show has been practice tips. But this has to do with your resume and your job search. 
First, keep your resume up to date because you never know when you're going to need it. Second, when you're job hunting, be sure you have a professional voicemail message as well as a professional sounding email address. You know, a voicemail message that says, hey, you know what to do when you hear the tone isn't enough. And also, an email address such as hotlips at hotmail.com isn't uh, very professional either. So fix that so that when you, you know, when an employer is looking at your resume, they see that you have, uh, you know, that you're, you know, you're serious about this career. And Lynn, I'm off to the NALA convention in Dallas next week, and I'm going to say hello to all of our listeners there. And now do you have a social media tip for us today? Uh, just a quick one. Now, we've talked a lot about getting into the paralegal profession. I want to talk for just a second about raising the profile of the paralegal profession. And literally, I want to suggest that you help do that uh, by contributing profiles and news, not only to your favorite bloggers, which I'm sure include Vicki and me, but also to... Uh, Venues like Carolina Paralegal News, Paralegal Today, um, they're always looking for good paralegal news. Um, you know, I think paralegals have a tendency not to talk about themselves as much as lawyers do. Um, I really enjoy the opportunity to present a weekly profile of a working legal support staffer. Doesn't necessarily have to be a paralegal at Practical Paralegalism. I know Vicki does too with her 13 questions. Just gives us a chance to uh, put a face to just the wide variety of people that are out working today. Um, I've actually connected people by accident through uh, weekly profiles. So, uh, it can be a way to broaden your horizons. And I just just encourage you to, um, to get out there and spread the word uh, about the paralegal profession and, you know, what great work that we're doing. Great tips, Lynn. Now, that's all the time we have today for the Paralegal Voice. Don't forget to check out the show notes on our blogs, practicalparalegalism.com and paralegalmentor.com. This is Vicki Voison. And I'm Lynn DeVenny. Thanking you all for joining us today and reminding you, to make your paralegal voice heard. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to The Paralegal Voice with Linda Venny and Vicki Voison. This podcast is produced by the Legal Talk Network. Be sure to get the next edition of the podcast. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.